So we know from the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, we know that Adam was made in God's image. So God made a man in his image. And God breathed his spirit into Adam. So he made man and he breathed his spirit into Adam to bring him to life. So that means Adam was one in spirit with God. God's spirit and Adam's spirit was the same spirit. And that's how God made man and, and, and woman as well. He, he made us to be one spirit with him. Adam walked in the garden and had with God and had close and a close eternal relationship with God. So his relationship with God was eternal. It was forever and ever and ever and ever. So he's one in spirit with God. He was made in the image of God and he was, that's a bit better. We're getting, we're getting better. <laughs> um, he was made in the image of God and he was made to be eternally joined to God and to walk with God for all the days of his life. So Adam was naked and he was unashamed and he was innocent before God. So he had no shame, no nothing, no guilt, no sin. He was just pure and holy and just one with God. And he named the animals and he just walked around with God and did stuff. And, and God was connected in spirit with Adam. So Adam had no hesitation, no fear, just like a young child has. When they're innocent with young children, they just come up to you, they ask you anything. They've got no kind of fear or hesitation with their parents. They just, they're innocent, they're happy, they just loved. And that was kind of the same with Adam. He was, he was very innocent in his, his understanding. And he just was, was he, just, he knew he was loved by God, because God is love. And he had full trust and no fear in a wrong way. He didn't fear God in a wrong way of like punishment kind of fear. So Adam and God walked together in the cool of the day, it says in, the, it says in Genesis. Now, as we know, Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I just want to pick up, if we just go to the first slide. This is Genesis 3. 8 to 10, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And I personally feel that's one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Bible. It's right at the beginning, and it's, as we, we call it, the fall of man. And Adam hid himself from the Lord. And Adam and Eve, they, they felt shameful. They felt ashamed. They felt guilty for what they had done because they disobeyed God. And they hid away from God. So God was calling out to man, and man was hiding from God. Okay, so it's interesting to note that actually that God was looking for, God was searching for man, God was looking for man, God was looking for Adam and for Eve, but man decided, or Adam and Eve decided, we're going to just hide ourselves away from God. And we sometimes do that, when we sin, we have a tendency to want to kind of cover it and hide ourselves away from God, We've, we feel like, let's just 
we know we've, we've done something wrong and we feel ashamed, we feel guilty, and we want to just hide ourselves away. But how many know that's not the greatest thing to do? When you, when you sin, the best thing to do is actually to go to God with your sin and confess it to him and deal with it. So they felt guilty at what they had done and they felt ashamed of who they were because they were naked. So they'd eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and they realized with that knowledge that came in, they realized they were naked and that's why they wanted to hide from God. So they were guilty of what they felt, guilty of what they'd done, they disobeyed God and they felt ashamed because they were naked before God. So after that, separation came in, separation from God, death came in, because God said, if you eat from that tree, you're surely gonna die and they ate from the tree and they were disconnected. It was like their spirit was disconnected from God. So that ended up being our standing with God after the garden. So they were guilty of sin, they were ashamed, they were separated from God, and they were spiritually, they'd spiritually died inside. There was a spiritual disconnection from the life of God, and they, they died. And ultimately, they were going to physically die as well after a number of years. So God's plan for humanity is to remove that guilt, that shame, that separation and make us spiritually alive again. So that's what God came to do by sending Jesus Christ to the cross, his son. And he came so that we, the, all the guilt of sin would be wiped away. All of our shame of the things we'd done or who we are would be wiped away. That separation from him would be dealt with and he would close that gap and we could be one with God again. And he wanted to make us spiritually alive again. And that's what we have. That's kind of our identity. That's what we have now. If you're in Christ, you're spiritually alive. You shouldn't be carrying around guilt or shame or separation from God at all. That's the truth of where we're meant to be at, but sometimes we don't actually, we're not actually there yet. But we need to believe the truth and we need to do what we need to do to make sure that guilt and that shame and that separation isn't present in our lives. Amen? Okay. If we have a look at the next slide. So Romans 5, 17 to 19 just explains this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Um, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death and through this one man, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So it's just explaining the story. Let me just read that again. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So that's where we should be at. We should be living in triumph over sin and death because of what Jesus did for us. So verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. That's powerful, isn't it? That does deserve an amen. So, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God, so right standing with God and new life for everyone. So we just flick to the next slide. So verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Amen. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on today is that bit about being righteous. So what Adam did 
made everyone become sinners. He released sin into our bloodline, into us as, as human beings. But because of Jesus coming, being obedient to the Father, many will be made righteous. So we, if you go back one slide, Nicola, um, as it says at the bottom there, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So we can have right standing with God, right relationship with God, but we can be righteous in God by putting our faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So that's who we are. We're right standing with God. If you flick to the next one again. And we're made, we've been made righteous. And that's what we're going to look at today as, as, our, as our identity bit is what does it mean to be righteous? Is there one more verse? Just click the next one. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing again, so that's that right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans is a powerful book actually, if you read it, full of, full of revelation, full of truth, full of identity. I really recommend you go through the book of Romans and study it. So, we've been made righteous. We've been made right standing with God. So what does the word righteous actually mean? If you just flick the next slide up. So I had a look on the internet. Um, yeah, that one. The dictionary definition of being righteous is acting in accordance with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin. So that's just the dictionary definition of what it is to be a righteous person. So it's acting in accordance with divine or moral law and free from guilt or sin. So a righteous person, to be called righteous, is, must be very difficult. You have to kind of be a perfect person. You have to be a very, very good person, free from guilt, not sinning, acting in accordance with God's divine or moral law. So you're just a very uh, perfect moral person. So some of the... Some of the points I wrote down um, about what it is to be righteous is, yeah, perfectly moral, right standing with God, acceptable to God, approved by God, and blameless. So that's what it means to be righteous, that we're accepted by God, we're approved by God, blameless, perfectly moral, right standing with God. You could say free from sin as well. The next slide, please. So... In the Bible, Noah was known as a righteous man. So Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So he was, he was known as someone who was righteous. That's what the word says a righteous person is. So someone who's blameless among, among people, the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So Noah was a righteous man, and, that's, and then God used him to do everything that he did with Noah. But that's a definition of, of what it is to be righteous. Now, God was called righteous as well. So God himself is righteous. So when we're called righteous, we're, there's a bit of a connection there with, with God. And Psalm 119, uh, 137, verse 137 says, You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. In Psalm 71, it says, Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens, you have done great things. And there's many other scriptures actually about God being righteous. There's tons of them. So God is known as a righteous God, a righteous judge. And he, he wants us to be righteous as well. He's, he's made it possible for us to be righteous. So like, 
God, God-like, I guess. So being righteous is almost having God's divine nature inside of us. We are, we are divinely connected with God. We are like him. That's what being righteous is. So do we feel like that? Do we behave like that all the time? So we are righteous, that's our identity. Those scriptures says that we are righteous. And we're gonna look at some other scriptures in a bit, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what Jesus did for us has made us righteous. But do we believe that? Do we act like that every day? I don't think I personally do, I don't know about you guys, but I don't believe I'm blameless among everyone around me and walk faithfully with God every single day in everything I do, say, think, act. But actually that is my identity, I am righteous, I am right standing with God, even though I may not act like it sometimes. Now, a bit of personal testimony, a number of years ago when I was a young Christian, I um, had a bit of an encounter with God, it was a powerful encounter with God, and I've shared this testimony before, but I was kind of, I, I, was, I was probably only a few years old in the Lord, and I wanted to hear God's voice, and I begged God to hear his voice. I was like, God, I hear all these preachers and people saying that they can hear your voice, and I see in the Bible that people can hear your voice, so God, I want to hear your voice. And I, kind of, I just begged God, I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice day after day. God, I want to hear your voice. God, you've got to let me hear your voice. I want to hear you speak. I want to hear your voice. And I badgered God. I, did, I just did that. I just badgered God daily. And then I heard the voice of God. Um, I was in my bedroom. I, was, I think I was just watching some preaching or something on my computer. And I was kind of sat there kind of on my bed. And... All I can, all, the only way I can describe it was I felt like something just came into the room and came over my body and I heard the voice and God spoke to me audibly. It was powerful. It was so powerful. I was like, if I was in shock. I was like, I knew God was answering my prayer, but I was like, God, this is like, this is too much. This is too much. And <laughs> so God came into the room and and. He just said to me, Rohan, you see yourself as going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down with me, but I see you as always going up, 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 like that. And I kind of saw the picture as well. So the way I could describe God's voice was like I could hear it inside of here and in my ears and in my head and everywhere around me. It was like God's voice was just everywhere. And that was like, that's the audible voice of God. It's not, you know, sometimes we hear God's voice and hear him speaking to us and we just hear it in our head and we discern, okay, that's the spirit of God speaking to me. But this was like an outside voice, an inside voice. And I also describe it as like... um, if you were just speaking, like I'm speaking on the mic, but then I was, so it's a gentle voice, but it was turned up really, 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 really loud. It was like that. It was just booming. And so God spoke to me that. And um, I, knew what he was, I knew what he was meaning because at that point of time, when I was still a young Christian, I was kind of, felt like I was living for God a few days and then I would, slip back into sin and slip back into doing stuff I know I shouldn't have been doing and during that time at university I was still kind of out drinking and doing stuff in nightclubs and doing whatever and I just it was like a few days I'd live for God I was like God I'd be praying I'd be worshipping I'd be pressing into him and then a few days I'd be 
tempted to go off and do other things. And I just felt like I was on that journey, that up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, you sin and then you repent and then you get right with God and then you end up sinning again, you repent and you get right with God. So I was going around this cycle and I was, I was struggling and God just gave me that word. And after that, he gave me that word, it was like something just kind of settled in me that, do you know what? I feel like I'm doing that, but I, but I know, obviously, that was, it was very clearly God speaking to me, that he actually sees me as different to that. And I believe it was like the next day or a few days after, I listened to a message that um, just a guy preached online. And I didn't choose this message, it just came up. This guy just was preaching on us being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in his in his message, it just cemented to me, it, he brought out all the scriptures and it just cemented exactly what God was saying about the up and down thing. He was saying that actually you are right standing with God, whether you're in sin or doing whatever you're doing, whether you're backsliding, if you've given your life to God, your identity in Christ is cemented. You are right standing with God in Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for us in the cross, we're in him and he is righteous and he's made us righteous. So it's not something that we have to do ourselves by doing lots of good things and that makes us righteous, that makes us good, that makes us acceptable to God, that makes us holy. It's actually because of what Jesus did for us. That's exactly what makes us righteous. So, and, and I got the revelation even deeper, is like, okay, so even if I'm one day doing the right stuff and the next day doing the wrong stuff, I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm still right standing with the Father. I'm still holy and blameless and accepted and loved by him, even though I make mistakes. And it was a powerful revelation. I want some of you to get that today, for the penny to drop today. Because actually, once I started to see myself in my identity, my God-given identity as, as, as righteous, I began to behave righteously. So the revelation of my identity then affected my behavior. And even though I was doing stuff wrong, I would still be confessing over my life, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm, my identity is in what Jesus has done for me on the cross, not on, who I, not on what my behavior looks like and not on, on what I think I am. So that word again about going up and down, up and down, up and down, was just cemented as actually we're always progressing with God. We're always going up with God. Even though sometimes we feel like we might be stagnant or we feel like we might have stopped growing, there still is, our identity is still the same. We're still moving forward. God is still at work in us. That scripture that says, you know, he'll continue the work in us until Christ Jesus comes back. It's like God will continue to do his work in us and through us. So it's powerful and that's why identity, knowing our identity in Christ is a powerful, powerful, they're, they're powerful truths. And there's lots more to do with identity we can go through. So it's, it's not about how we feel. It's actually about the truth of what God says and who God says we are. Okay. So if we just look at the next slide, we're going to just look into living out of our identity. So God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that, we, so that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. So God placed all of our sin on Jesus Christ and he became sin for us so that we become the righteousness of God. So we have that access to God. We have that right standing with God. And you know, when you, when you actually understand your identity as being a righteous person or the righteousness of God, it makes you, um, it, it removes that hesitation from coming to God. Even if you sinned, it removes the hesitation. It removes that kind of the, the guilt of, shit, of sin and the guilt of shame. It, remo- it just removes shame from your life because you know actually I'm right standing with God. And yes, we do need to come before God and confess the stuff that we've done wrong. But as soon as we've done that, when you have that revelation that you're right, that you're right standing with the Father, you come to him, you confess, and you know immediately, I'm forgiven, it's done, I'm cleansed, it's dealt with. You can just cast all your shame onto him, all your guilt onto him, and you know you, can, you have a confidence to come before God, knowing you're right, you're right with him. If we have a look at the next one. So 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, and that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So that it is because of him that you are in Christ. So we are in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, your life is now hidden in Christ, hidden with him in Christ. So our lives are in him. And he has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So it's, as believers, we have an amazing kind of free gift from God that's been given to us that we come into Jesus Christ, we, we live in him, and he is in us, and actually we get to actually take on the characteristics of God because we're in Jesus, we're in God. So his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His holiness becomes our holiness. His redemption becomes our redemption. His peace becomes our peace. His healing becomes our healing. The way he's acceptable before his father, that's what we live in now. That's what we experience now because we're in him. One of the names of God in the Bible is Jehovah Sikhnu, Sikhnu, uh, the Lord, our righteousness. And he is our righteousness. That's Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they understood that actually there's no right, we can't be righteous outside of God. So when, when it said about Noah being righteous, it did say that he was faithful to God and he followed, he followed God in, in a right way. And it was like, out of him being faithful to God, that's where his righteousness probably came from. It's the only righteousness we can have in this life has to come from God. It has to be divinely released to us. So this morning, what I want us to do in response to to this word is take communion. And when we take communion, we are appropriating, I want us to appropriate that righteousness. I want us to appropriate that truth of who we are in Christ. So we're free from sin and guilt, right standing with the Father, acceptable to God, approved by God, Blameless, holy, redeemed, and loved. So in Christ, so what he did for us on the cross, by him giving his body, by him giving his blood, um, that's made us, that's, that sacrifice has made us right standing with the Father. That sacrifice has made us acceptable to God. So as we take communion in a few minutes, 
I want you to, as you're taking it, to just receive that revelation. This is who I am now. I'm just going to read that list again. Free from sin. And then when you're free from sin, you're free from guilt. Right standing with God. Acceptable to God or accepted by God. Approved by God. Blameless, holy, redeemed and loved. So all of that is our identity now. So we could just have the band just come up. So Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be restored to that relationship with the Father. So as I said, the, the, the things that we lost when Adam and Eve sinned, God wants to restore each and every one of us this morning to right relationship with him. So I believe God wants to just deal with any guilt or any, sh- any shame in us. If we feel separated from God, we feel like there's a distance there, I believe he wants to deal with that as well. So as we take communion, we want to just recognize that what he did for us on the cross was to deal with sin so that we can be reconciled to God. So we're going to just, we're going to worship. If you just, if you just like to stand to your feet so as we continue to meet with him in worship just feel free to come out one by one and just take a piece of bread receive that and drink the cup and just take some time to just meditate on those truths of what Jesus has actually done for us. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm just going to have a look at one of the scriptures we were looking at earlier. So this is Romans 5, 21. It says, Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's just begin to worship. And in your own time, we've got time, just come out and take a piece of bread and drink the cup and just you're, in doing that, you're appropriating the truth of who you are in Christ. Amen.